Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namane, Namaste Saraswati Devam, Gauravani Picharane, Nirvishesha Shunyavadi, Paschata Teshatarane, Nama Shreshtam Manumapi, Sachi Putram Atrasarupam, Rupam Tasyagrajam Uruparim Matara Gostavatim Radha Kundam Giribaram Maho Radhika Madhavasam Prapto Yasya Pratita Kripaya Sri Gurum Tam Namosti Omagana Timarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chaksuran Malatam Yena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Sayam Rupakadamayam Dadati Sapadantikam Pancha Kalpa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhayevacha Patitanam Pabhanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Siadvaita Gadadhar Shivas Adigor Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So greetings from New Jersey, and, and thank you all for participating today. Um, I'm used to being generally, especially in Vrindavan, in, in big festivals. We have to be a little bit, I see, we have to be a little bit more creative um, here where um, we're not living in perhaps big devotional communities, but to speak of Vrindavan, where there are many devotional communities based on Prabhupada. But we should always remember Madhavatiti Bhakati Janani, that the days of Lord Hari give birth to devotion, and the days of the great devotees are days of Lord Hari. Just like it says in the Bhagavatam, Nashta Prayeshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, that Nashta Prayeshu Abhadreshu, all that's inauspicious, Abhadreshu, Nashta, destroyed, Prayeshu, is almost is destroyed to nil, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, by serving the Bhagavata. And Prabhupada said, it means the book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavata, because the book Bhagavata is about the person Bhagavata. It's about the devotees. And the person Bhagavata is about the book Bhagavata. He only speaks on that subject. So it's, it's important because... 
Uh, bhakti is the path of grace, and we definitely need mercy to advance in devotional service. Um, and mercy is there. It just has to make you have to make yourself a receptacle of that mercy. The whole principle of God is mercy. He wants us to be happy, um, but we have the wrong faith in happiness. We have faith in things that don't give us happiness, but we're convinced they do. So he wants to give us happiness. He wants to give us the mercy to get happiness. And uh, these days are filled with mercy, especially if we open our hearts with prayer and glorification, which makes us a, a receptacle of that mercy. Um, just talking a little bit about creative, you know, I'm down here now in New Jersey not even New Jersey, but south of central Jersey. But somehow we managed to have a nice janmastami. I've done this now. This is the second year. Totagopinath picks me up. Kadamba Mala came with me and we went to Lal Govinda's place, which is even 30 minutes south of here. And he has beautiful Shalagram Shila and Radha Krishna Gornitai worship. And we went and we did there, we did kirtan and uh, read from the Bhagavatam and then chanted japa. And then from there, I stopped and saw my mother who's on her 101st year. Um, she was in somehow, I don't know how she does it, kind of a blissful mood and just stopped because I've been away for a month. And then we went to um, Gopakishore and Jai Shri Radhe, and they have that beautiful Jagannath temple in their house. And the same thing, there was Kirtan. And uh, I spoke. And then we went to the uh, CNJ temple, which Central New Jersey temple, which is a fantastic temple. I mean, it's they purchased an old church, but it couldn't be more ideal for a temple. And you can feel one, one thing, you know, that's very important, especially for people that don't live in temples, etc. Um, I remember Bori Jumper was recommending this to somebody who was asking him this, especially for grasses festivals because it engages people in so much service. So I, I, there must have been hundreds and hundreds of preparations on that altar. And they look very, very beautiful. They have Radha Krishna deities and Jagannath, Baladev Subhadra and Gornitai, and it's a big temple. And uh, so we went there and uh, we took darshan of the deities. And uh, I sat there for the kirtan for about a half hour and they were so gracious. They have such a, a, a Vaishnav mood in that temple. And they wouldn't let us go until they packed substantial prasadam for us. Of course, I wasn't eating it then. Um, so uh, it was really quite nice, especially that CNJ temple when you see, or any of the houses, when you see 
devotion. You feel, you actually see devotion. When deities are done beautifully, when food is cooked nicely, when music is sung nicely, you actually, there's, you actually see, feel, and taste devotion. And that's one of the main ways that devotion comes into your heart. It's through the senses, actually. You can taste the devotion of the food. You can see the devotion of the deities, uh, the, the, the devotees as they decorate the altar so beautifully. And, and, but, and, and you can see by the work and the service and the enthusiasm um, and anyway, and, and that comes down to what? What does it come down to? Everything comes down to Prabhupada's mercy. I was in Dallas once and one of my god brothers, he must be about six foot six, Kanagamya, and he was really a Prabhupada Nuga. I mean, he had who passed away. He had such faith in Prabhupada. And uh he was asked, um, he stood up in the class, it was in Dallas, and asked Prabhupada, how can we repay you? And Prabhupada said, just remain obliged. <laughs> and that obligation, that sense of gratitude, I read this in a, a, a purport in the, in the third canto. That's an expression of the soul. That's an expression of the soul. The expression of the false ego, our anxieties, our greed, our lust, our fear. But that's the expression of the soul. And it starts with, 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 with our teachers, the gratitude to our teachers. And in our line, it all points to Srila Prabhupada, um, who who came and we know the story he, he he came and he risked at, at, at my age he came and uh you know he, he he was in the he was in 26 second avenue and at, at that time second avenue is i remember i was i, I used to preach to this one lady more aristocratic and wealthy lady on the Upper West Side. And she wouldn't go to Second Avenue. People didn't go to Second Avenue. You know, and it wasn't the best neighborhood in the world. And Prabhupada was in it. I was listening to a tape and Prabhupada was in his room. And you can hear the screeching outside. You kind of kind of hear the neighborhood outside. And we know the story, the the the, the called them bums, I don't know. Uh, anyway, person came in, you know, we know, we put toilet paper down next to Prabhupada's Vyasasan to the bathroom there. Prabhupada recognized his service. When Prabhupada was there, he was just thinking, why have I come to this place? Why have I come to this place? Why have I come to this place? And he was meditating on it because usually the place that you are situated has some relationship with the desires in your heart. Because we generally try one way or another to conform. Of course, it doesn't always work out that way. 
but certainly a person of Prabhupada. Prabhupada had choices where he would live. It wasn't that he was forced to live in the Lower East Side by poverty or forced to live in the Lower East Side by um, a job. I had a choice. So he said, why have I come to this place? Because it was so antithetical to what his core desires were. Prabhupada, on the material platform, Prabhupada was educated. Prabhupada was from an aristocratic background. Prabhupada was elderly and retired. And Prabhupada was a devotee. So if he was going to perform austerities, then Vrindavan made sense. And he was in Vrindavan. So why have I come to this place? Because it has no congruence with who I am by my own desires. And he said, it because it was the order of my spiritual master. It was the order of my spiritual master. Um, <clears throat> Brahmatirta, I, I, I see that you're here. So uh, you just have to say something. Tell something about Prabhupada. It'd be such a treat for the devotees. Uh, just one moment. Okay. When he get, he'll come back. Oh, uh, let me see here. Okay. I got a. I didn't have my computer set up for speaking, so I had to adjust it. Um, there was a. Um, I just read in Giraswami's a book on um, Giraswami's book. Uh, I'll build you a temple. Something very interesting about Prabhupada. Something that really impacted me. Um, turn to that page, and then. Um, there were two very interesting things. One of them involved Hari Kesh, who I, I read it to him Saturday. He was uh, filled in even more details. But this one was, um, uh, by 1970, Actor Street San Sankirtan uh, was going on distributing magazines. Uh, it had been going on for a year and a half by that time. Then, and in India, they began Sankirtan, it's Lord Chaitanya's movement. So what are we going to do? Street Sankirtan works, we chant and give out some magazines and just like Lord Chaitanya would do. Uh, but in India, some people ridicule the devotees and there were newspaper articles in the same mood. When Srila Prabhupada heard this and he heard that people were throwing coins at us he told us to immediately stop doing street sankirtan because people were taking it cheaply. Prabhupada was willing to completely adjust the fundamental strategy of street chanting if it didn't have the desired effect. In other words, even though we're Lord Chaitanya's movement based on Lord Chaitanya and the Kankazi and beginning the street sankirtan, the minute 
it wasn't the most effective way. Prabhupada said, do something different, because in India, it didn't work at that time, at that place. So uh, sometimes we forget Prabhupada's extreme practicality and Prabhupada's um, uh, experimental nature, that he was mostly concerned he was with what makes it work, not uh, uh, what somebody says we ought to do. Uh, Rabindra Sarup puts it uh, very well in his Cure of Souls that um, we tend to conflate minor virtues with major virtues. And the major virtue is helping people get a spiritual life, uh, uh, come to Krishna. The minor virtue may be um, how we dress, how we eat, how we do this, how we do that. Um, and so Prabhupada was so, this is just such a good example of Prabhupada uh, uh, going for the major virtue, not the minor virtue, even though many devotees would say, oh, Lord Chaitanya's movement uh, is a major virtue. We have um, one temple I know, I, I won't name it, they do a Harinam every Friday night at a prominent corner near a university. And it, to me, it looks like the Salvation Army band having a bad day. Because it's a bunch of people my age, very sincere, really trying to do what's right. But the people seeing it are not impacted. And Agrata Sukriti, just accidentally hearing the holy name, that's nice. But much nicer is appreciating the holy name. So uh, when I read that, it had a, I'm speaking tonight in New York, I think that's what I'll speak on, how Prabhupada was so, uh, in every regard, so practical. It, only a great Acharya can balance, really balance well tradition with modernity, can really balance well Prabhupada's two contradictory instructions. Time, place, circumstances don't change anything. <laughs> Prabhupada so emphasized, don't change anything uh, and adjust it to time, place, circumstances. So I realized that without Prabhupada here, we'll have some leaders who lean very strongly on don't change anything and other leaders who lean very strongly on time, place, circumstance. And we no longer have the founder Acharya to guide us. So then it becomes very, it becomes a, an issue. What do we actually do in circumstances like this? You know, you know. And uh, then that takes us to Prabhupada's final and most important instruction is we have to uh, consider working together uh, as more significant a priority than anything else. And so that's going to take some give and take. And that's what makes the movement work. And not having the give and take is what makes the movement fail. That doesn't mean we change uh, fundamental siddhanta. Uh, 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 I would not want to go to a temple and have Lord Shiva replace Lord Krishna on the altar. Oh, it's almost happened. Um, 
and I wouldn't want to go to a temple in which uh, uh, we come up with a new mantra other than a maha mantra. Uh, but this balance is so crucial and Prabhupada was so perfect at it. And there's one example here. When I read it, I was actually shocked. I never heard of Prabhupada canceling Harinam because it just didn't work. So uh, that was a realization I had when I was reading this yesterday. So I thought I would share it with all of you. Thank you for- I'm not letting you go yet because I I appreciate, because I think it's nice on Prabhupada's appearance day, not just to hear stories, presume that was always like that. You should also speak about his philosophy. And, uh, but I think here's one thing I think you could use uh, like actually if you want to start a purport on this that deals with the point i think it's i think it's the first verse of the third chapter of the first canto where Prabhupada's commenting that um sukadeva goswami um when when when, when uh sutta goswami was said to shonakarishi he was going to explain about the bhagavatam because he was kind of there when it was spoken by Sukadev to Marge Brickett. He said, Yatamati, Yataditam. I heard it and I realized it. And then Prabhupada in the purport, you look up there, Prabhupada said that realization means the ability to communicate. And, and I think what, what that means is, is the depth of realization of the subject. And this is, I think, the reconciliation, a depth of the realization of the subject where you can change the form without losing the meaning. And if someone doesn't have the realization, and this is Prabhupada's glory, they'll either keep it in the same form, even though no one can understand the language, right? Like the people understand French and you're speaking in English. You spoke everything perfect. You spoke the Siddhanta, you spoke the conclusion, but no one understood a word of it because you weren't willing to change the language of the form. You know, language in the form is not just words, but it's how you do it in the culture, et cetera. And the other thing is without realization, people change the form and then they lose the meaning. And I think going to the Bhakti Center is a a very good example of that firmly rooted branching out where they, they work hard to keep that balance. And it's not easy because sometimes you change it too much and you lose some of the, the potency of the tradition, the blessings of Prabhupada. For example, when they wanted to take Prabhupada's murti out of the temple because they thought people wouldn't identify with it, but Radhanath Swami was firm. Or they wanted to you know teach the CC in the morning instead of the Bhagavatam. Prabhupada was... Radhanath Swami was firm. So it, it's it's a real adjustment. I, I describe it as like taking a perfect shower. <laughs> you know, you got your hand on the, the cold and the hot. And you never really get it right, but you're trying. So I think that that I think that that's a really relevant subject to glorify Prabhupada, his realization. And um, I, I'll give you another story that you could use because it's it's very relevant. When when Prabhupada um, when when Prabhupada passed away, eleven days after they had the ceremony about Prabhupada, and one of Prabhupada's god brothers who went to the West and was glorified because he brought back two educated people, you know, and he was glorified what he did, 
But then Prabhupada superseded him so much. So somehow he was a senior person at that function. And what he said is, he said, I could have done what Prabhupada did, but I didn't have the, you know, the mentality to preach to, you know, to the hippies. Basically, he was saying he was too high class. Uh, I, know actually, I know who said that. Go on. But, but, but the real glory of Prabhupada was is that he could take that subject matter of Radha and Krishna and somehow or other communicate it to people who had no frame of reference, had no samskaras, etc. So that he, he, he criticized Prabhupada, but I thought like the goddess Saraswati, he took his words that were a criticism and made it a glorification because what is the mentality to preach to hippies? You understand the subject so deeply that you can kind of change the language and, and figure it out. And anyway, I think it's a great subject for glorification of Prabhupada, Prabhupada's realization. And, 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 go ahead. Yeah, just say, um, how do, uh, uh, I found, uh, you know, Prabhupada would take complex philosophical subjects yeah. um a beta beta tattva which, which to me when i i i grown up um uh in a very political time like it is now with the vietnam war and civil yeah. rights and you know there was uh i saw something on the left attractive something on the right attractive and and um it, 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 it was a, a very uh, tumultuous time. And I was a black and white thinker. The very first verse Prabhupada quoted to me when I met him was a Pichet to Darchero, even if one commits the most abominable activities. Now, when I studied the Gita in college, of all the verses in the Gita, that's the only one that I remembered, not in Sanskrit, just English, because I was a black and white thinker, and I had trouble thinking, well, can you be uh, uh, a demoniac and saintly at the same time? It just, I, I couldn't um, wrap my brain around it. So I asked the professor to explain it, and he was more bewildered than me. And then when I met Prabhupada, the very first verse he quotes to me, in Sanskrit was that verse, the only one I knew in English. And he turns to me and goes, do you know this? Which to me was quite mystical. I, I mean, he said, he, not, not do you know it, you do know this. He knew I knew it, the only verse I knew. Very, very mystical event uh, happening. Now, the reason why that's relevant is um, it has to do um, with our uh, uh, philosophical construct, uh, a chinta beta beta tattva. How can we see things um, simultaneously one and different? And, and, and that's a hard concept to grasp. Uh, as those who have been devotees a long time, we're so used to it, we think it's easy. But actually it's a very tough concept, uh, especially in the West where the predominant uh, conjunction is or not and. It's either this way or that way. In the East, China, India, the conjunction and is, it, it can be more prominent and easily understood. So then Prabhupada would take this very difficult philosophical construct, one that I had struggled with 
like anything in college. And he simply says, you take an iron rod and you put it in fire and it becomes like, it becomes like fire though it's still an iron rod. And all of a sudden he smashes uh, my ore to pieces and converts me to an and man. And, and, and just one simple little example like that, that was the power of Prabhupada. Wow. Um, while you're here, just tell a little bit more about you and Prabhupada, because I, I've spoken on Disappearance Day. I've told stories, things that you, you can just speak a little bit more. I think devotees, I, I, I think most of the people know the book, Perfect Questions, Perfect Answers, when your dialogue with Prabhupada when you first came. I think they would really appreciate it. And there's people here from different places. I have some devotees here from Iran and from Italy and uh, Argentina and England. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, to the Iranians, I give a special thanks for the bravery of what they must put up with every day. A very special thanks. One of my best friends in the early days of Krishna conscious was Atreya Rishi who was a pioneer in Iran. And that's when the Shah was in power. And I was scheduled to go to Iran to join him. And circumstances came that prevented it. So um, I understand, I always kind of watch over what goes on there and uh, very impressed by uh, devotees in such a difficult place to take up that service. So I, uh, my pranams to you. Um, one thing about Prabhupada that is um, sometimes in the glory of Prabhupada, we sometimes um, don't remember the affection of Prabhupada. And as the movement got larger and larger, um, Prabhupada, you might say, ended up out of necessity with many thousands and thousands of disciples. He had to be in a bubble. He couldn't mix with everyone. Um, and in the early days, Prabhupada would cook and then clean the pots. You, you all know these stories and no need to repeat it. And as time went on, that changed. So sometimes we forget how affectionate Prabhupada was. I love reading the books like I just read Girira Swami's books, book or my favorite, Mukunda Goswami's Miracle on Second Avenue to understand that Prabhupada's one-on-one -on -one dealings. Um, there were two devotees who joined the movement after the early days who were recipients of a lot of affection from Prabhupada. One obviously was a late and beloved Bhakti Charu Swami who joined in Prabhupada's last year and became extremely intimate in Prabhupada's camp with all three initiations, one after the other, etc. Another devotee who joined a little later, got involved in late 71 or early 72, and was able to receive that personal affection and can share it, is me. So I'll share some of the personal affection. Um, in 19, when I got it, I didn't get initiated for four years after I met Prabhupada. Now, Prabhupada waited 10 years. I waited four years um, for, um, I was chanting and following. That was never an issue. Um, the issue was um, I had been engaged 
to be married when I went to India uh, to be a science teacher. And um, uh, my wife had never heard of anything about Krishna. And I came home and she saw that I had friends who dressed in bed sheets and had no idea what matching socks would look like. She was like aghast. But uh, she met Prabhupada and devotees uh, uh, became friends with devotees such as uh, Yadobara, and then Krishna worked his magic. So I wanted to wait until she was ready. So uh, devotees in New York were kind of getting heavy on my case, some of them. I was in graduate school, which is a little weird to begin with, and they were getting heavy on my case. Well, why don't you give up this wife? We get you a new devotee wife, and why don't you do this? And you're just as fully surrendered. And why are you not living in the ashram? And blah, blah, blah. So after a while, it has an impact on me. Now, some devotees like Gopal Krishna, uh, Grahasta then, and others, and Madhusudana, and others were really nice to me and took good care of me. Others were just in their immature, sincere, but immature way, were preaching very heavy to me. So eventually it got to me and I became depressed. Not like clinically depressed where I couldn't move, but I started thinking that um, something's wrong with me. Something's really wrong with me. And everyone else can be a devotee and I'm just a laggard. And then Prabhupada was coming to New York. And other prior trip to New York, I got to even be Prabhupada's driver and this and that. This time he was coming. I said, Prabhupada should not have to see my face because I was depressed about it. My face is so, he shouldn't have to see such a horrible fallen face. So I was thinking like that. I mean, it wasn't realistic, but somehow that's how I was thinking. And then Prabhupada was walking from his room on Henry Street to the temple, temple room. I was in the hall. So I kind of went into a corner in the hallway and I said, well, I won't let Prabhupada see me. And after he goes in the temple room, I'll just stand in the doorway. I wanted to be very insignificant. So as the first dunda rounds the corner, I mean, Prabhupada's coming behind them, I immediately offered obeisances in the corner, and I said the prayer so slow, it might have taken me two minutes to say the prayer. Meanwhile, the entourage is walking by, I'm hearing feet walking by, I say the prayer thinking by the time I finish, probably I'll be on san and I'll just sit in the temple room doorway and listen. I didn't know, that even though somehow I was face down, Prabhupada recognized me, and he stopped and waited, unfortunately, and waited and waited until I thought everyone was gone. And I stood up and there was Prabhupada, I'd say two inches from me. And he turns to me and he says with the greatest affection, so glad to see you. Now, that was the vindication to me that I was on the right path and doing the right thing, which history turns out I was doing the right thing. And turns out my wife became a much more uh, focused devotee than I am. So turns out it was the right thing. 
Uh, then Prabhupada did something he rarely does. Prabhupada wanted to cement it to me in this subtle, mystical way that I was doing the right thing. And he did something he on that was not characteristic. He's done it other times, but not, it's kind of rare. And he gave me a very large hug. Later on, I didn't believe that happened. And I said to Tosan, what happened there? And Tosan related what he saw. He was standing right there. And I said, I guess it really did happen. It's not my brain going to a weird reverie of some kind. So that is one example of uh, Prabhupada's affection. There are many examples. In the early days, we see it, uh, we see it um, a lot more. But I wanted to share with your um, audience who may not have heard this story, uh, a person, one personal story of particularly strong affection. Later on, when I got initiated, there was two other instances just like that happened down the road. So then I started reversing my depression and I started thinking I'm someone very special. You know, because two other things happened very similar to that. And I started thinking, I'm quite special, you know. And uh, so I had flipped to the other side of the false eagle coin. The depression side was one side of the coin and I'm wonderful was the other side of the same coin. So then uh, I'm in New York, I'm getting initiated. Prabhupada didn't come to the initiation, he wasn't feeling well that day, it was right after the Rathiatra. But the next day at Guru Puja, there I am, no longer Bob Cohen, and Prabhupada's at Guru Puja, it's time to get the cookies. So I walk up to Prabhupada, I was quite proud. Look, now I'm your disciple. And I was expecting all that affection. Oh, I'm so happy, blah, 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 blah. So I was very proud about my circumstances. And Prabhupada handed me the cookie and looked through me. I was an absolute clear piece of glass. And he looked at only, you could tell, I could tell in the look in his eyes, only people behind me. At that moment, he handed the cookie to an empty shell. And uh, again, Prabhupada understood that the face is a mirror of the mind. So immediately he understood when I was, uh, to paraphrase Christmas time, when I was being naughty and when I was being nice. And he understood that that day I was naughty. And he just looked right through me as if I didn't exist. And that image is still, uh, uh, etched into my subtle body. Now, fortunately, I got to see Prabhupada again under before he had left us. So that wasn't the final um, image of Prabhupada and me, though that was the one I would have deserved to be the final one. It's wonderful. Um, just one story from Mayapur that struck you when you went to see Prabhupada as a Peace Corps worker in Mayapur? The one that struck me the most, the person who made me a devotee, you might say, after Prabhupada, was none other than the most heartfelt, wonderful, 
uh, devotee I could imagine. I couldn't imagine in my imagination someone so heartfelt and wonderful as Yamuna. So after spending a couple of days speaking many, many hours with Prabhupada, considering I was the only guest at the first Mayapur festival, there were no buildings, it was just a hut for Prabhupada and so it was nothing. And I was the only guest. Prabhupada had to keep me with him all day to protect me from his 60 zealots that were there. And there were quite a few zealots there. Uh, and so uh, uh, I had spent quite a bit of time with Prabhupada. And Yamuna walks up to me. There's no lights. It's just the full moon of Gorpranima. And she was crying. And with tears in her eyes, and Yamuna turned to me and said, you are so fortunate. And she repeated that several times. And she said, Prabhupada is not spending all day with anybody, not since a long, long time ago. And he's spending all this time with you. You are so fortunate. You're so fortunate. And she just loved, just dropped bombs of love from head to toe. And Yamuna was such a heartfelt and intelligent person. And the way she presented it was so deep to me that I became very scared. And I went behind the Pandal tent into the dry rice paddies and I just collapsed on the ground and just started crying all. And the next day Prabhupada calls me in after we're talking for a little bit, I finally work up the nerve and I say to him, oh, Prabhupada, I have to leave now and go back to my work as a teacher. Now, honestly, no one knew what I was doing from the government. No one had any idea. I was an itinerant teacher. I was training teachers and the Peace Corps administration. I was so remote that they would never visit me. Never, never. They were too difficult to get to where I was and nobody knew what I was doing. So if I was there and not there, no one knew. But anyway, but I said to Prabhupada, I have to go back to my work because I was scared we were, that I would have to surrender to this. And so Prabhupada said to me, immediately understood my mind. And he said, do not talk L-E-A-V-E. -E. This is in the book. It talk L-I-V-E. <laughs> and, and I said, so you want me to stay? And he goes, yes, stay longer. And I said, oh, if you tell me to, I will. And then he said the words to me that any of you that have dogs know your dog is so anxious to hear. Your dog's favorite words besides dinner time. And that is good boy. <laughs> so he said to me, good boy, just like we would say to our pet. And at that moment, I knew I was his pet. And the way, just the way he said good boy to me. And then he wrote me a letter afterwards and he put in the letter, it was very funny. He put in the letter, you're a good boy. So he just wanted to cement it. So right after he said that, the conversation I would probably was no longer theoretical philosophy, it became very personal. Like, what is it that I need to do to raise my consciousness? It became very personal about me, not just hypothetical, theoretical 
things. I was very comfortable with hypothetical theoreticals because uh, um, I don't have to surrender to that. I can just enjoy the discussion. Wow. Yeah, this is, uh, this is wonderful. It's really a, a treat for us, actually. Um, and I think that the um, one way of glorifying Prabhupada, it's like in, you know, Nectar Devotion, there's, there's descriptions of Mother Yasoda. You know, she's the devotee of Krishna. And, and, and it's a way of glorifying Krishna his devotees. So I think when you talk about Jamuna and things like this, and just hearing from you, it's, it's really wonderful. Um, there's a great, if you go on dundavat.com, I'll ask everyone, there's a, there's a discussion between Shyam Sundar and Gurudas, which I'm not one usually listens so much, but it was so entertaining. Let me just tell one story from that. They were in San Francisco and Prabhupada was looking outside his window and Malati was greeting the trick that was bringing the milk in. And when the guy brought the milk in, Malati went in the truck and stole the butter. And she had this whole huge thing of, thing of butter that she, they couldn't even believe she was carrying, right? And she kind of stole it. So Prabhupada called her up to the room. And, and they said they only had one dhoti and one sari in the whole temple. So she had to get the temple sari to go see Prabhupada. And when she went in there, Prabhupada said to her, you know, you know, Vaishnava, you know, is a perfect gentleman. You know, if you see someone else's property, you should consider it stool in the street. And, you know, we don't do things like this, that, you know, steal. And it sets a very bad example. And they said that they said that Malati's a, and I know this from Tamal Krishnamaraj, because when he met Malati after she came back after so many years, he said, This is one person that's just not mental. <laughs> She's just not mental. He liked it. She they said she was like melting. She was just like melting. And Prabhupada got on her case like that. He said, But if you're gonna steal, you should steal butter because Krishna's muck and sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it their stories were like uh uh anyway they were just uh <laughs> uh and, and, and he told one story also because shamson to like like um adventure they were going to see lolita prasad if you don't know who lita you know but that was bhakti siddhanta's brother yeah. And he lived in some village and they were all piled into this car and they didn't even know where they were. Prophet said, I think it's this direction. They went down this road and the rains were there. And they said that the bridge was kind of washed out a bit, you know, like it was sunk on an either side. So Prophet said, uh, okay, um, get out. Everybody get out except me and Shaim Sundri, Sundar. And, 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 and the prophet said, okay, reverse the car. And prophet said, we're going to leap over the bridge. <laughs> so now step on the gas. <laughs> and then Shaim Sundar, and across. So he just, 
And he said, and Prabhupada didn't even mention anything. You know, they just continued going. Anyway, there's a lot of charming, a lot of charming uh, stories there. Um, but one, one thing, because I, I, you may go before, I just like, because you like the Iranians, Suyaradika and your mother, just say hello to Brahmatirta if you can, okay? Are you there? Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna Maharaj. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, have, I have great appreciation for the uh, austerity and, you know, the Iranian culture um, um, is, I, I've uh, been to Zoroastrian events and uh, when they're singing their prayers, I can understand some of it because it's a, a Sanskrit uh, a derivative, a very close. So I've been to I had some Zoroastrian friends, and so I would be at, at uh, a function, and um, I was uh, very, you know, gee, I understand some of that, and so I understand uh, the culture. Even in the world, we. Uh, argue over who are the real Aryans. Well, Iran claims the name Aryan. And um, it was uh, when in uh, 1792, um, uh, the uh, 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 Sanskrit scholar, um, named Susai Mind in India, published an article in the Royal Society of England, that Sanskrit may be older than Greek or Latin. It upset the uh, European uh, intellectual class because they were debating uh, what language is spoken in the Garden of Eden. And all of a sudden, if Sanskrit is older, darker people could have been the Garden of Eden, which is a very racist time in the world that was unacceptable, that darkies you know, from India could be have an older language. So then they invented this uh, Aryan invasion, which didn't happen. So everyone claimed to be the Aryans. And of course, the Iranians had a very good stake at that because their name was even Iran. And, you know, they had a good stake. And then the Italians claim, the Greek claims. Finally, Hitler claimed to be the original Aryans. And after that, no one wanted to argue who were the original Aryans anymore. That argument sort of went away. And our, uh, uh, our dear friend Adwaita wrote his dissertation on this. That's another topic. But of all the civilizations that were closest to being actually the Aryan, Aryan meaning uh, upper class, high, you know, high class. Um, the the uh, ones that was actually closest were actually the people from Iran, of all those west of India. So the Irans had this deep, heavy uh, uh, culture, this great uh, connection to the Vedas and uh, almost, I'm, I know five Iranian friends in Gainesville, uh, not devotees, but uh, friends of mine. And they're all, uh, I hardly ever meet an Iranian that's not intellectual. So it, it, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful field. And uh, I, 
And but I realize it's a great austerity to practice Christian consciousness when there's a certain level of uh, an extreme level of fanaticism that's there. And the Iranian people generally have no connection to that, but they have to just go along with it somehow politically. So um, my special respects to all, all of you for what you do. And nice to meet you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. That was William Jones wrote that paper. Now the name comes back to me. William Jones, very important paper that um, has something to do with the name of your country. Okay. Well, it's such a, 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 a it's a treat for them. I, I'm I'm so happy that you know the pandemic and the Zoom that they can regularly be on classes and and here. I'll tell one more uh, uh, story from uh, um, Gurudas, which was really interesting. Is is he was on a morning walk with Prabhupada, and Prabhupada asked asked you know how do you know that Krishna is God, right? So Gurudas said because it says it in the Gita. Prabhupada said no, we know Krishna is God because of the ecstasy we feel. <laughs> Yeah. So then a, a week later, he was on a morning walk and Prabhupada asked the same question, right? And then Gurudas in the back said, um, anybody know, how do we know that Krishna is God? And uh, Gurudas said, because the ecstasy we feel. Prabhupada said, no, because it says it in the Gita. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Prabhupada. Yeah, well, that that they were saying what they they enjoy so much about Prabhupada is they said you'd always see there's thousands there's forty thousand pictures of Prabhupada where they're in maybe in the background you'll always see them laughing yeah. and they said um, they said the reason they they were laughing is they said Prabhupada gave a definition of humor as something is when uh, that when you expect something and something else happens, but it was said yes. more charming. You know, you know that one. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, uh, a Sunder told me that. That uh, what, what, what was the exact, exact phrase? Yeah, and 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 Prabhupada was a lot funnier than we knew because of the generational and cultural differences. When I go back and I read or listen. A lot of it went over our head at the time, how funny Prabhupada was. And sometimes Prabhupada would say things like that, contradictory. And it was just, uh, it, was, it, would, it would be just to challenge us to think. But um, uh, that's why it's very dangerous. Uh, I asked, uh, one time I asked Hari Kesh, I said, what's the most dangerous thing for the Krishna conscious movement? And his answer without even thinking, he said, immediately said, Prabhupada says. Because Prabhupada said on almost every issue, he spoke from different sides of us paradoxically to make us think deeper. And sometimes he was speaking uh, in, in that contradictory way for humor to, uh, to make the point go deeper into us. And sometimes it just... Uh, so if, if we just become automatons, Prabhupada said this, Prabhupada said that, then we've given up all of our thinking. And then we're very neophyte if we don't think. 
Anyway, they were appreciating that. Well, I, I think there's also another thing, and I think Prabhupada was directed so much by Krishna. <laughs> he was transparent to Krishna's will. And um, it's almost like, you know, we asked the question, I, I gave a seminar once, uh, can God be blue a study of Krishna? Right. And I, I, I said, why did I do the title? And I said, because I'm American, we're good at promotion, you know, but what does it mean? Can God be blue? If there's a reason that God's blue, then he's not God because there's something dictating his nature. He's blue because he wants to be blue. So I think there's a certain kind of spontaneity in Prabhupada that he's directed by Krishna. And that if you analyze something at a particular time that he did, you know, if you take in different factors of, 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 of reasonability or something that it was Krishna's inspiration. And, and the, like the proof is it worked. Look at the movement after Prabhupada. It's still together after, after Prabhupada left almost 40, 50 years ago. The movement is still together. The mission is still together. In spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves. Yeah. And, 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 and it's spread all over the world. But if I take my mind and I look back and, you know, why Prabhupada said this or why Prabhupada said this, this may not be politically correct. This isn't the way I would say it in the particular time. This doesn't seem the right strategy. And that would be the other way around. There was sometimes that Prabhupada did things that were so traditional that didn't seem to communicate the way I would think we should communicate at a particular time. So you get the exact opposite thing. But either way, it was directed by Krishna and it had a greater purpose. And, 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 and it had a vision that no one can see because it was connected to God. And the fact of the matter, it, it kind of lasted with those two um, dichotomies, with, with a tradition that was so rooted that it gave some, some, some empowerment to it, and the same time, a certain dynamicism that can communicate and change things in a way that were relevant. And I think he kept both of those things together so perfectly that you had the, you had the blessings of the tradition that was so deep and so rooted, you know, and at the same time, you have that, that creativity and that they like what, 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 what Shyam Sundar and, and Guru Das like more than anything else was Prabhupada's boldness. And I, I'll tell you, this is an interesting story I'll, I'll, I'll share is, is I was in charge of, after, after Prabhupada disappeared, I mean, you know, I, I, one of the services I had was inviting people that were connected with Prabhupada to the Prabhupada's disappearance festival. So I was kind of, so I, I went to, to invite Narayan Marge. So I said, please come and, and, and speak. He, I, he said, well, what do I know? I said, you know, um, you knew Prabhupada, you were with Prabhupada. He said, I did not know Prabhupada. You know, I did not know Prabhupada. He said, it's just like you're before the deities. If you're talking with your friend, do you know that that's Krishna? So I didn't really know Prabhupada, you know, in, in that sense, you know, who he was. I said, well, what did you see at that time that would indicate who Prabhupada became? Right. 
and he said um, he said two things. He said one thing was Prabhupada's boldness. And then he talked about Prabhupada writing this heavy letter to Dr. Radha Krishnan. The, the, and again, that would be an example where anybody would advise Prabhupada if he went to the, you know, you and the Department of Conflict Resolution, you would edit Prabhupada's letter a thousand times. <laughs> it was just so heavy. And then he said the other thing was Prabhupada wrote two plays. One was criticizing the sannyasis in, in, in the Gaudiya Math for, 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 for not really being true renunciates or some of them. And, and one of the, the, the lead sannyasi was called Bojan Balas, the form of material enjoyment. <laughs> and then he wrote a, a critique on the Ram Krishna mission because they would eat chicken. And the title of the drama was the, the Murki mission. The Hindi for chicken, the chicken mission. So he, he said he was so bold, Prabhupada. And he said the other thing he said was Prabhupada's ability to communicate. He said when Prabhupada was with a child, he becomes so soft and affectionate. And he said when Prabhupada was with someone his age, he could be the best friend. And when someone senior Prabhupada came in, he said um, he would be, you know, the most respectful. So he said the ability to kind of relate. And then the other thing I remember is, is I invited one person, I forgot who it was, but he said something, you know, because when, you know, you've been in India, when they give glorifications, it, it doesn't have to be tattva, the reality, it has, it's rasa. <laughs> Is how they feel. So he said, he said, if he, he said this, he said, if Rupa Goswami and Haridas Thakur and Prabhupada were in the same room, who would Lord Chaitanya can, can come to first? <laughs> and he said, Prabhupada. <laughs> he said, because who could be more attached to the holy name than someone who spread it all over the world? And here's just an, another interesting thing. Uh, my disciple in Vrindavan became friends with, with Acharya Prabhaka's grandson, <laughs> who carries around supposedly the wood shoes that Prabhupada, Acharya Prabhaka was Prabhupada's first disciple from Jansi. Um, yeah, I, had, I, I was really, um, oh, here's another one, Guru Das, he, he, he never wore shoes when he was in Vrindavan. And Prabhupada several times said, why are you not wearing shoes? You know, why are you not wearing shoes? You know, we should be practical. You know, he said, you know, we perform our austerities, but we should be practical. So anyway, he, he, he told um, Gurudas to take him on Parikram or something. He's with Parikram. And then Prabhupada looked and saw he didn't have shoes. He said, he said, why, you, why don't you have shoes? He said, because I consider all of Vrindavan a temple. <laughs> he said, better you follow your spiritual master. <laughs> Papa was wearing shoes. <laughs> so anyway, it's charming if you want to see that. Um, it's time to go. I'll just finish with just one, one story. Um, 
just one story. And this is one thing that I was there that I, I really appreciated. And I tell this many times. Um, I was one day heading out in Vrindavan. They used to have Raman Reiti used to be a big park. And I met this, this Indian man, Bhagaji, I think you remember him, who had donated the Gurukul land and was very close to Prabhupada. He would come and tell Prabhupada, he would tell Prabhupada jokes, actually. Prabhupada liked his Hindi, Hindi jokes about this one Indian that almost achieved perfection, but wouldn't go to, he, Krishna was going to let him into to Gokul, Goloka Vrindavan, but he wouldn't come because there was no Britannica biscuits and Lipton tea. That was the end of the joke. <laughs> so he, he, he said, don't go outside now. I said, why? He said, because there's a magic show in Prabhupada's room. You should go see this magic show. So I go into Prabhupada's room and you know how it is. Prabhupada's sitting at his desk and the magician is next to Prabhupada. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm still like a, a new devotee and I'm trying to kind of assimilate, you know, like you say, my black and white conceptions or, or you know, as Bori John Prabhu said, when you deal with Indians, they can keep two contradictory concepts in the mind at the same time and be fine with it, where if you're a Westerner, they immediately start to clash with each other. And so I'm sitting in the back and there's a magician from the circus in Matara, and he puts coins on Prabhupada's head. And then he snaps and the coins disappear. And then he puts his hands at Prabhupada's ears and the coins come out like a slot machine. And Prabhupada was like laughing and laughing and enjoying. It was, and then he, he did the same thing. He put the coins on the head, he snapped, he told Prabhupada to open his mouth and the coins came out like a slot machine. And Prabhupada was laughing and laughing and laughing. But I'm sitting in the back because I'm uncomfortable because in my Western rationalistic mind, the guru is above illusion. <laughs> so how is this possible? And also Prabhupada's laughing. And Prabhupada was born in 1896, which was the exact year my grandfather was born. And Prabhupada had the same expression of wonder that my grandfather had when we took him in 1961 to the, 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 the New York World's Fair in Flushing Meadows. And they had those animatronic dinosaurs, you know, and, and then there was a- I remember it well. Right, and, 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 and he was from the old country and they had the, the um, they had the, um, what's it called? You know, they had a GM exhibit with a, you know, a robotic thing. And my grandfather was like, he just couldn't get over it. You know, he was just astounded. So Prabhupada looked like that, like a kind of, not a Calcutta boy, but like, you know, a little bit naive. So it went on for one hour and then Prabhupada turned to the magician and said, can you make uh, disease disappear? He said, no, Prabhupada said, I can make disease disappear. Can you make old age disappear? He said, no, Prabhupada said, I can make old age disappear. Um, can you make death disappear? He said, I can make this, this disappear. Then Prabhupada said, then I am the real magician. And then, you know, it was like, Jai Prabhupada, you know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And Prabhupada Gallant and the, the magician. So there was a lot. Um, 
It was a lot. I mean, one day I should put my memories. I didn't have the close association with as you were there, but I was in Vrindavan and there were quite, you know, amazing things that happened at the end. Yeah, yeah it definitely should put that in writing. Uh, one time Prabhupada was in his room with his god brothers and they were laughing and laughing. I didn't know what it was. And later on, uh, many years later, I asked Chutananda, he was there. I said, well, what was going on? And he said, oh, they were all reminding each other of the nicknames from their old days. Because they all had funny names for each other. Just like, you know, people normally do, even Krishna did with his friends. So they, they all had uh, funny names and they were remembering what their nicknames were for each other. You and... Know. Yeah, you know, it's just Prabhupada was, was uh, um, uh, you know, Ram Baru uses this term, and I love it so much. And this term should be the motto of the Krishna movement, I think. Maybe one day it will be. And, and because this term summarizes Prabhupada, and the term is radical personalism. Wow. Whoever he was with, he was his God brothers, he knew what to do. With us, he knew what to do, always knew. He, he just knew how to relate to everybody, no matter who they were, a big guy, small guy. I was reading again in Giri Raj Swami's book, after so much difficulty with Mr. Nair for two years, fighting, fighting to get the land that he was cheating us out of. Finally, Mr. Nair dies as Nishingadev yanks his heart out, apparently. And then Mrs. Nair continues the fight. And she was innocent, but just didn't know what else. But so many lawyers cheating. Finally, Mrs. Nair surrenders and they sign over the land to Iskan. And Prabhupada's there. And he turns to Mrs. Nair and he says, I'm going to take care of you the rest of your life. Don't worry about anything. You're my daughter. <laughs> After so much fighting. And Prabhupada understood that unlike her husband, who was a rascal, she was just innocent. And so he just treated us with so much affection. That way, that book is definitely a fantastic book. Giriraj Swami has a kind of memory that no God brothers have. It's 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 some savant type thing. He can remember so many details. It, it, it's a very I I, I it's a very uh, powerful book uh, in in terms of. Uh, I still have one chapter left, so uh, that I will make that my reading for today because it's all focused on Prabhupada. Great. Bhavatirtha, uh, I think there's one more Iranian devotee who just wants to say hello to you. Narmasaki, will you say hello to Brahmatirtha? Are you there? Okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Please. Please accept my uh, humble pranamas. Thank you for the wonderful class, Prabhuji. Thank you so much. Yeah, I didn't mean to hog it. I just came to listen to Maharaj. Speak. No, 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 no. This was a treat because I speak every single time. And I think this was, it, it was just so sweet. I'm going to finish with one story that you'll comment on. Okay. Then, just want to say one yeah. thing while the Iranians, I, yeah. it, I always, I was set to move to Iran in uh, 74. But circumstances changed. But it, it's still my desire to visit Iran one day, just politically, it's difficult because it's such a fascinating 
place to me. And, um, uh, you know, may, and, and uh, it's culturally so significant and, and, and the roots are so deep there for so much uh, that uh, it is a place that uh, we'll see what Krishna arranges. I'll go with you. Yeah. We are waiting. We are waiting and praying for that day. Yeah, I, I, I think I'll have to pretend I'm Canadian or something. <laughs> and change your last name. Uh, 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 yeah, exactly. Okay, this is, I'll end with one story and then you can comment on it. I was in Prabhupada's room at this particular time and they had the first um, Bhaktivedanta Institute, the, you know, for the synthesis science of religion and it was in the Guru Cooler. And they, they had it. I was a speaker there. I know that. I'm gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I was in the room and Tamal Krishnamaraj was in the room and then after the conference, the, the, the scientists came in, including Brahmatirta, and they were all in suits and ties. And they came to Prabhupada, and Prabhupada was laying on his bed. And then Tamal Krishna, uh, Prabhupada said to Tamal Krishnamaraj, get them chairs. And they all said, Prabhupada, Prabhupada, we're your disciples. We can sit on the floor. And Prabhupada said, no, you're respectable scientists. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah um... Uh, Prabhupada wanted our Sankirtan scores from the Life Comes From Life conference. If you could turn on screen sharing, I'll show you a picture from then. Um, if I can get screen sharing privilege. I don't know. that. They, I, I don't know how to do it. So. Or, can I, or can I be made co-host? I don't know how to do these things. Oh. And I oh. think the person who does it probably had to go to work. Oh, uh, okay. You? Uh, uh, what you let me see. I, I forgot how to. It's not so important. Okay. Um, you so, should be all set, Ramachandra Prabhu. Excuse me. You should be all set. You should be able to share now. Oh. I made okay. Host. Well, um, we will. Um, uh, here it is. So um, here's a picture of the scientist uh, in ties. <laughs> This is called the changing body exhibit. <laughs> well, Brahmatirta is in the middle in the back. Yeah. Madhava lives in New Jersey. I should call him. Uh, oh, yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, there's Guyana, who's in Ukraine, and Srupadamadar and Sadaputu have left us. So, um, so, and this is taken in, in, as you can see, the pillars in the Krishna Balaram temple. So Prabhupada would call us in every night to get our Sankirtan scores. And um, uh, the Sankirtan scores were um, what did they say and what did we say? He wanted to know um, what the arguments were uh, uh, from each side. Uh, we were speaking at this uh, here, here at uh, this um, uh, Life Comes From Life conference. Uh, and, and now, you know, uh, uh, the BI, of course, uh, uh, we continue with these things. Um, and I can't turn that off, it'll just ring. Um, 
And uh, so Prabhupada wanted to know our Sankirtan scores. The Sankirtan scores were this. What were their arguments and what were our arguments? They're arguing, some of them, that life comes from matter, and we're arguing life comes from life. And so our Sankirtan score for Prabhupada was what were the arguments. But when he said sit down in chairs, it was a dilemma, because at that point, we were a floor society. There was one chair. So two or three of us sat on one chair, and the rest of us half squatted down, pretending we were on chairs, because Prabhupada's vision had become very weak by that time. He was in a room, he had to wear dark glasses, and it became very, very weak. So we could just squat down halfway and probably would think we were in chairs. We didn't know what else to do. Okay. Ramatirta, why don't you just give some final words, inspiration to people, and then we'll end the class today. Something about Prabhupada's movement, serving, dedication to him. Well, you know, you know my uh, current service that takes a lot of my attention is is the Bhaktivedanta Institute. And uh, 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 we actually now have a uh, new headquarters, which Maharaj one day you'll stay at, uh, in Gainesville, Florida. That's our headquarters. And um, the reason why the Institute was so important is because Prabhupada's very first book can somebody know what Prabhupada's very first book was? Anybody know? Well, I know, but let's see if anybody knows. Let's see if somebody knows. Yeah. Very first book, New Delhi in the 50s, late 50s. Any guesses? Going once, going twice? Okay, the name of the book was Easy Journey to Other Planets. <laughs> and Prabhupada was reading a newspaper journal and they're discussing Sputnik and antimatter that had been discovered. And uh, so Prabhupada then was realizing that it's very interesting. That's his first book that in this age, people think in terms of science and the new guru of the world had become the scientist. I mean, they were able to conquer outer space with Sputnik and so many things. And, you know, when, when Prabhupada was born, there were no airplanes and there were no automobiles and no radio or TV. And then, you know, all of this happened in the 20th century, plus some of the worst wars in the history of humanity happened in the 20th century. So one step forward, two step backwards kind of thing. So, but Prabhupada realized that we're worshiping science. So he said, okay. So in the book, Prabhupada praises the scientists, but talks about the pinprick of what's missing. And what was missing was philosophy. And so Prabhupada wanted to take science, but add uh, uh, metaphysics. See, we walk on two legs. One leg is physics and one leg is metaphysics. And the metaphysical leg had been cut off, amputated. So Prabhupada wanted to restore that leg and combine science and philosophy because people thought in terms of science. So that was, um, uh, I think, a lot of uh, his strategy of pushing the Bhaktivedanta Institute because he wanted to 
his final year, he spent probably uh, uh, a, a disproportionate amount of time with Srupa Damodar speaking about the importance of it because he, Prabhupada, uh, thought that if we can appeal to the intelligent folks, then uh, Krishna says in the Gita, whatever the great men do, the common men follow. And in this modern age, still to this day, the scientists, now the geneticists um, are the leaders, but uh, they're blind leaders without uh, philosophy. So um, for Prabhupada, Prabhupada never said, of course, the BBC, I wish I'd still listen to this, but they never, Prabhupada never said to any other project, take all the money, all of my money you want and use it. <laughs> it was only the BBT. I still can't convince the BBT of that. But anyway, that's a different point. But uh, take all the money you want, do it. Because uh, he never said that to another project. Even the big temples in India gave them something, but never a, a blank check. So um, the, 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 there's, uh, I'm not trying to glorify a service I'm doing. Uh, believe me, I'm, uh, I'm just a lost soul working with great people. But uh, Prabhupada really wanted us to uh, present intelligently. And again, I'm going back to the Iranians. It's a very, very intelligent society. And I know from Atreya Rishi's groundbreaking work in Iran that um, the only way you'll convince Iranians to take this up is to present in a very strong philosophical and intelligent way using all the modern tools we have to communicate. So, um, uh, you know, that was Prabhupada's legacy of understanding what was practically there to give Krishna. Then again, in Indian villages, what did Prabhupada do? He asked Lokanath, uh, Lokanath Swami, now you go and do Padhyatra and just travel through the village on foot and chant Hare Krishna and have a portable temple. So wherever Prabhupada was, he understood what was the practical method of sharing Krishna with the particular people. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Th th thanks. I, I didn't mean to... I came to listen. I, it, I think it's just another dynamic, and I'm seeing all the comments on the chats that people really feel it. So, okay. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think we'll just head out for today. And it was so great to see everyone that came. And uh, uh, at least this evening at Jack's house in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. I'll go there, but I don't know. There's only one or two people here from a few people from Jersey if they want to come. Okay. Vanchakalpa Turubyas Chaka Hindu Baby Chapati Tanampavani Bio Vaishnava Bio Namoda. Srila Prabhupada Ki. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maharaj. 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 Thank you, Maharaj.